0: Hey, podcast listeners, before we get started, if the IRS is freaking you out right now and you want to do something about it, you can call me at 833-243-5455 and set up a free 30-minute consultation or log on to WatkinsPodcast.com. I've got a short letter on that no frills page. It'll take you about 90 seconds to read. And if you like what I'm saying, you might want to consider becoming a client. And if not, hey, no big deal. Keep listening and subscribe to this podcast so you can keep hearing the free content on how you can fix your tax problem today. So if you owe the IRS, you may have noticed that they have been pretty active lately filing a bunch of liens, and this is the IRS's way of letting the world know that you have a tax problem. These liens are also pretty nasty if you're trying to sell your home or refi to a lower interest rate. It's a pretty extreme measure at the IRS and it means they want all the money that you owe them and they want it right now. But there are a few things you can do to get these things lifted short of paying everything that you owe right now. For example, if you owe less than $25,000, a tax professional may be able to get these lifted in about 90 days. If you owe more than $25,000, there are things like the IRS's Offer and Compromise Settlement Program that gets them off once they accept that. Now, we've helped thousands of taxpayers in an IRS mess, so we can probably help you out here too. We can help you out in all 50 states. So if you have a tax problem, I again encourage you to call me at 833 243 5455 or log on to watkinspodcast.com and set up a time there to talk to one of our tax experts about getting some help today. Now, back to your podcast. IRS problems are scary, but they don't have to be. Travis Watkins has been helping troubled taxpayers with customized plans to To negotiate negotiate with the IRS IRS and stop immediate threats to their livelihood so they can get a good night's sleep again since 1999. Now, here's Travis. Hey, y'all, it's uh, Friday, March the 6th. Coming up on the... Daylight Savings Sunday where you've got to spring forward, you know, to the extent that you don't already have an iPhone that sets your clock for you and uh, takes care of that hour or less of sleep that you're going to get um, Sunday morning, then uh, be sure to manually set your clocks uh, an hour ahead spring forward. It also brings to mind things with the IRS that have to do with timing. Time is a very important thing in most IRS resolution cases. And a recent case that we have, I, I don't usually tell stories about uh, cases that are in progress because we like to give you the information on the cases that uh, come to a successful conclusion, but uh, this one was such a issue with uh, timing and specifically a uh, IRS revenue officer that was involved in one of our cases that I thought that this would be a good one for today to go ahead and give you the story because it's got a few different morals to it that have to do with timing of things that uh, I have brought in Danielle Brand, who's an attorney in my office, and uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about this interesting um, case and some abusive things that IRS revenue officers do in cases like this one. So, uh, Danielle, tell us a little bit about uh, this Case, like, uh, give us a quick rundown just of the background of things and uh, tell us about the, the revenue officer that's involved.
1: Okay, so the clients came into our office having a pretty sizable uh, balance with the IRS on, on one entity they had. Um, they owed over a million dollars to the IRS for payroll taxes on one of their entities. Um,
0: They have several entities?
1: Yes, they do have several entities. Um, So on the main entity that owed the most, they had payroll taxes on that, as well as some of the payroll taxes had been assigned to them personally through the trust fund recovery penalty. Um, The IRS has the ability to assign a portion of payroll taxes uh, to you personally if they deem you're responsible. So they had those two entities, and then for insurance purposes, they had actually created a third entity to combine all of their payroll needs into one company, and the third entity also had incurred uh, some liability with the IRS also.
0: So how far down the road were they on the tax problem when the clients came to see us?
1: This had been going on since about 2008. Okay. So, uh they were pretty pretty deep in the hole. They had had a couple different revenue officers assigned. When it came to us, it was kind of in limbo between revenue officers and there were different revenue officers assigned. Some officers had this entity, the other ones had a personal, so it was kind of a mess. Mhm. Um, And we were trying to get all the cases assigned to one revenue officer for ease of our sake and the taxpayer's sake to work this as one big picture, one full swoop, um, get them everything lined out all at once with one revenue officer who could see the full picture of everything.
0: Tell us just real briefly what a revenue officer does at the IRS as opposed to like a revenue agent.
1: Right, so revenue officers are assigned specifically to collection um, cases that are kind of more high profile. Uh, Any personal liability that exceeds 250,000 goes to a revenue officer. Any business liability that actually exceeds 25,000 goes to a revenue officer. They're local agents. They make home visits. They make office visits. They call you on the phone. They're much more aggressive than your typical case worker who would never contact you you'd have to contact them
0: right and so they come to your house sometimes or your place of business Um, any other ways that they would contact you
1: they a lot of them will sometimes just issue levies (laughs) when they get the case without contacting either you or or your representative even you know, if you are at the point in your case where you can be levied, oftentimes that's their first step is issue levies. They sh- they can hit your bank. They can hit your wages. If you're self-employed, and this is a major one, they will go after all of your accounts receivables. Yes. So they can send levies out to everybody who owes you money as a business, gets a letter from the IRS saying, hey, don't pay this business, pay the IRS, which can just completely destroy a business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned there that a lot of them don't necessarily check the file to see if there's a power of attorney for a representative (laughs) before they just start launching grenades on deals like this. So uh, that's always kind of the footnote to our representation is you'd never have to talk to the IRS in most cases once we file that power of attorney representative form stand in your shoes and talk to the IRS, but these bulldogs, as I like to call them, uh, don't always uh, check the file before they go um, into full collection Mm -hmm. mode, so we have to rein them back sometimes with that as well. Pretty nasty dudes. Some of them. Everybody's got a different style, I guess. This one in particular, though. Tell us about this this particular one without, you know, uh, <coughs> <laughs> disclosing too much about uh, personal information about uh, th- this particular revenue officer.
1: Right. So uh, kind of the case on this, we figured out he he got assigned because he issued levies. <laughs> um, we had been working with prior revenue officers, like I said, trying to get it all reassigned to one revenue officer. And then we found out one revenue officer does have it all because he issued levies on pretty much everything he could levy. Right. Um, of course, I immediately put in a call to him to try and figure out where we're at, what's going on, what can we do? Um, Because the previous revenue officer, we had discussed filing an offer in compromise, which is like a settlement type situation with the IRS. And we're kind of waiting for the reassignment, waiting for the client to get their funds in order to do this. And then we get hit with levies out of nowhere, basically. So I reached out to the revenue officer to try and discuss with him You know what's going on. We're going to file an offer. I can send it to you because most of the time when you have a revenue officer, they prefer you file it through them, but you're not required to, um, according to the internal revenue manual. So when I reached out to him and he didn't respond to either myself, the client actually called him too, which is not a good idea, but the client did call and he didn't answer either one of us. So uh, I made the decision to file the offer and compromise through the centralized offer and compromise unit, in other words, of, not
0: with the revenue officer right
1: instead of filing it with him because I couldn't get a hold of him, I went around him, so to speak, which is entirely within our rights sure and and filed it with the centralized offer and compromise unit
0: and did they process that initially?
1: Yes, so I sent it, not sure what would happen with these. Half of the time, they direct them right to the revenue officer's COIC, Centralized Offer Unit, won't even touch it. They'll send it to the offer to the revenue officer. Um, but this one, they actually processed it, and they sent us the standard letter back. Hey, we received your offer. We will contact you by this date and let you know what we find out. Um, so I was under the impression. Everything's good. We've got pending offers. You know, um, the revenue officer either saw them in the system and let them go through or he doesn't know. Um, and then about two weeks later, he shows up at our office, uh, to discuss the case.
0: Yeah. And he was very pleasant.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Less than pleasant. So he came in and actually demanded, um, that the latter entity the client had formed who we did not file an offer for he was requiring that that entity pay their bill in full which was about three hundred thousand dollars before he would consider an offer and compromise on the separate entity and the client's personal offering compromise okay um and said you know, basically he needed that paid in full or he was going to use a mechanism that they use called marking the offer as an attempt to solely delay collections.
0: Okay. And what does that mean?
1: So when your offer and compromise goes through a revenue officer or even the offer and compromise unit themselves, they can mark an offer as an attempt to solely delay collections which basically means you have submitted a completely frivolous offer as an attempt to keep the IRS at bay, um, essentially. So if they do that, it basically kicks your offer and compromise out immediately. They keep your down payment that you paid. You have no appeal rights. Nice. Yeah. you. You're basically, your hands are tied.
0: And why is all that? Why can't you... Why can't you... Why shouldn't they give you your uh, money down that you submit with the offer? It's called a TIPRA. 20% mm-hmm. of the offer, uh, unless you're low income, has to come along with the offers and compromise, right? hmm And uh, if it's ultimately uh, rejected, then uh, you get your tip or money uh do you get it back no
1: it gets applied to your balance usually
0: yeah so but there are are there situations where you get your your tip or money back if it's not processable hey podcast quick interruption here have you been up at 2 a.m worrying about your irs problem again lately you know irs problems have a way of ruining all aspects of your life they take a toll on you financially, physically, and emotionally. You can never really forget about them as they come back every morning when you wake up. It's time to call Travis Watkins' tax resolution and accounting firm right now and start sleeping again tonight. Travis Watkins Tax will talk to the IRS for you and help you get the best deal available for your unique situation with the IRS with programs like the Fresh Start Initiative and the IRS's offer in Compromise. Call me at 833 243 5455 and set up a free 30-minute consultation or log on to watkinspodcast.com. I've got a short letter on that no frills page. It'll take you about 90 seconds to read. And if you like what I'm saying, you might want to consider becoming a client. And if not, no big deal. Just keep listening and subscribe to this podcast so you can keep hearing the free content that we offer on how you can fix your tax problem today. Now, if you call us in the next 30 minutes, we'll also send you our free confidential insider report, How to End IRS Problems Forever. That number again is 833-243-5455 or log on to WatkinsPodcast.com. Now, back to your podcast.
1: Um, Occasionally, they will refund it if they return the offer and compromise. Yeah. Sometimes they just return the filing fee, the one hundred eighty-six dollar filing fee, yeah, and they keep your down payment. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Who makes these determinations uh, as to avoiding uh, attempts to avoid collection and trying to uh, keep the offer from being processed?
1: Generally, the revenue officer, um, the offer and compromise unit, has the ability. Um, to do it as well.
0: And they didn't in this case. Yeah,
1: and I've never seen an offer returned from the offer department marked as attempt to delay collections.
0: So it's mostly going to be a a creature of a revenue officer assignment to your collection case, which, you know, that's serious in and of itself because as we discussed, these are folks that uh, like to uh, fire first and ask questions later. Um, So... It's a, this is a serious uh, case. It's a serious issue when you're you've got a revenue officer assigned, and then uh, like this this client was trying to use the offer and compromise to, you know, legitimately compromise the the debt, get a settlement on this while the uh, revenue officer uh, is is on board and. Uh, generally you're supposed to submit that to the revenue officer who didn't uh return any calls <laughs> in this case uh we were discussing here before we we started talking the irony of uh the the delay from the revenue officer uh who is also trying to assert <laughs> that uh that the taxpayer is attempting to delay mm-hmm. things and use uh uh, IRS mechanisms uh, in a um, an abusive way, I guess, is is the whole point of that. So if you disagree with this mechanism, like this revenue officer has done here, tried to play goalie, I guess, with the offer and compromise, What what mechanisms, what relief do you have there when they make a determination like this,
1: <clears throat> so the first step basically is to go to their manager, their first line manager. They essentially have to sign off on everything a revenue officer does, or they have they they operate under the assumption that their manager is going to look at everything they do. Um, so the first step is to go to the manager. Um, Ironically, put in calls to him with no answer also. Um, uh, of course. So uh, the way that's the kind of the way the IRS works. They like to hit you hard and then you can't get them on the phone to walk anything back or even have a discussion. Right. You know. Um, and
0: must you do that manager call before you can go anywhere else to complain at the IRS?
1: Yes. So you must speak with the manager first and then you can file... A CAP, CAP, appeal um, for the manager basically to review and look at. And, and basically the purpose of a CAP appeal, it's a special mechanism that the IRS uses to kind of check in on abuses of power essentially is what you file a CAP appeal on, which is what I feel like we're dealing with in this situation.
0: Yeah. How often have you, in your experience, had a a manager walk back a revenue officer's, uh, well, anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know that. Maybe once or twice I've been able to get through to a manager. Yeah. Um, but generally it's, they they stick by him If they're absolutely not breaking the IRM in any manner, then they're not going to make them walk it back. If it's something that is within the revenue officer's discretion, which a lot of this is, they they tend to fall on their side and, and yeah. agree with them.
0: Yeah. Can you take these matters, let's say you take it to a cap appeal, and they're pretty quick on those cap appeals mm-hmm. generally. Once you get the uh, the manager to, to sign off, that you can do a cap appeal. They generally do those, I think, within about 72 hours. Yeah,
1: it's like 48 hours, though so someone will reach out to you.
0: Yeah. Um, then if you don't like that deal, um, what, what can you do? Can you go to court?
1: (laughs) I haven't had any go to court. I'm sure you could. Um, I'm sure there's some type of, I don't know. I don't Um, think there's
0: anything there that there are a few things that the IRS will allow you to, to, uh, or they'll allow themselves really to be submitted to the court system. On certain things, but I don't know that this is one of. I don't think that this is one of those right. those deals. I've checked with a, a couple other tax attorneys that, that do these uh, deal with IRS collections on a daily basis, like we do, and uh, they can't ever recall a, a, one of these designations as a, a an attempt to avoid collection denials. Uh, or returns of offers and compromise, where they've actually been <laughs> successful in walking right. those back. So, long story short, this is a really, really ripe area for abuse of power. Um, there, there are sections in the Internal Revenue Manual that give certain examples of what is and what isn't. I guess I, I think it's really more what is abusive. Of power and everything else is just, or excuse me, abuse of, uh, of an offer and compromise to uh, delay collections. Uh, everything else is really just up to the discretion of the revenue officer, and as we're seeing here, it's really difficult to get those suckers walked back once, if not impossible, to uh, get those pushed through. Now, in this particular case, um Strange timing here because they have already the central processing has already uh, processed the right. initial stages of the offer. Um, he was mad that we did that in run but when we pointed out that he didn't return our calls and now the manager won't return our calls <laughs> uh, then you know he's he's gone ahead and, Tried to claw it back. Um, what happens when? Do they send you anything when when an offer is returned like this?
1: Yes, they they send a letter saying your offer was returned because it was deemed as an attempt to solely delay collections. Yeah, and we've yet to receive that either. So yeah. Um.
0: So any idea what the actual? We haven't received that, so we don't know exactly what his grounds would be for right. for this. I mean, the the good side of this is that maybe it hasn't uh, processed. Uh, maybe the the processing of the offer has not been, you know, somehow clawed back. Mm-hmm. Um, I've run into this issue when we submit an offer to correct something or. You know, to to actually boost the the number um, or, or give some more uh, recent information to run alongside something that has changed uh, for the taxpayer circumstance where a revenue officer will come in and say, no, it's this is the exact same offer that we denied in the first place. So another area for abuse here is that. It's, it's really got a tail to it because if you try to uh, correct an offer, now you're running into this other type of delay mm-hmm. where they can say, oh, this is the same offer that we denied previously and therefore it's an attempt to uh, delay collection as well. So, um, moral of the story here, I think, unfortunately, this does not necessarily have the... Uh, at this point in in our work have a smiley face on it yet. But I think there's some things that you can take away from this uh, when it comes to uh, things we can learn. And uh, the thing that comes to my mind is uh, if you are running into a severe tax problem, take action like immediately. Uh, because you 're running into people here when you have a revenue officer assigned that can really mess things up and it just it it causes all kinds of problems it makes the case you know exponentially tougher, I think you 'd agree danielle mm-hmm. to uh, yeah. to to handle from there
1: right getting a getting an offer and compromise through a revenue officer. Is no easy feat For even the best professional Once they are there It is like It feels at times Like their job Is to play goalie Like you said To an offer and compromise They don't want to settle They don't want to settle it Because that is something That you face With revenue officers That you don't face With other IRS workers Is that They actually have benchmarks And they're graded On their performance And how much they collect From taxpayers so once you get to that point, their job is to collect as much money as they can from you know you or your client. So it becomes a whole new ball game right. when they get involved.
0: Yeah, and as we've seen, you know, from kind of a disjointed way here by submitting these through uh, central processing, they it's it's rare that they would ever walk you back. Uh, because of this attempt to avoid uh, or delay collections. And, uh, you know, between you and me, an offer and compromise is always going to be an attempt to avoid collection.
1: <laughs> right, that's the purpose right? of an offer and compromise. Right,
0: so, you know, there you have it. But uh, if you're running into this problem and you have some time to get things worked on to submit an offer and compromise. Hire a tax professional like us to do that as soon as possible. But certainly if you have a revenue officer with the IRS that is is working your case um, or could be working your case, uh, that's definitely a time when you need us the most. Call and talk to us today about these issues Uh, we'll take down some information we'll try to diagnose the problem as much as we can there on the spot we'll have somebody uh, at our office here that's a tax collection expert give you a call back and get you some help that you need immediately all right set those clocks forward this weekend and uh, have a great day